Welcome to the second episode of 12 Items or Less. Today we are sitting with the very famous Carol Bear and Larry Olson. (laughs) They're famous to me. Uh, We're happy to have you all here and uh, join us as we get to know a little bit about their lives. Hi, Larry and Carol. Hi. Hello, Marnie. <laughs> uh, I would like you to share a little bit about your lives, but so I think you each should take a turn because I don't want Larry to speak for Carol and vice versa. Carol, you go first. Tell us like where you grew up, kind of what you've, what your life is, whatever you want to share. <laughs> okay. Well, I grew up in a lot of different places. My dad was in the Air Force, so he traveled a lot and moved to different places and um, finally ended up graduating from Mulbridge High School in South Dakota, and then went to Augie for a couple years and worked at Nisadec, and that's where I met Larry, and then uh, graduated from USD, and we did music, and then I stayed home with my children for a few years, and now I'm teaching in Beersford. Hmm. What are you teaching? I teach middle school science. God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) And all middle school teachers. And teachers everywhere. Lair? What was the question again? (laughs) Tell us (laughs) us a little about your life growing up. I know, I'm just kidding. Uh, Let's see, I grew up on a farm in west central Minnesota, um, Madison, Minnesota, just across the border from from South Dakota, and uh, part of a big family, youngest of seven children, and a farm family that... Grew up about a mile and a half from our country church, uh, Borgen Lutheran Church, that was a big part of shaping uh, my life story and my family's story is still a holy and sacred place for us. I graduated from Madison High School and uh, went to South Dakota State University uh, to study education. I have my teaching degree in vocational agriculture. Surprise, everybody. Uh, <laughs> and uh, have been uh, doing music and youth ministry and uh, construction, um, all sorts of hats that we wear along with a, a recording studio and, and other projects that we get involved in. And um, we live north of Beersford about six, seven miles. So, Great. Thank you. Did you mention you had children? How old are they? Who are they? Uh, Joshua is um, 28. And thank you, Larry, for cueing me on that. <laughs> And Rachel is 26. <laughs> yes. And Joshua works with Larry doing construction, and, and Rachel's kind of in between jobs right now. She's a waitress and looking for something in the graphic design area. Is she still in St. Cloud? She Minneapolis. is by Minneapolis. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Wonderful. Well, um, Carol didn't really allude to it, but I know that she also has worked in the church par- part of her adult life. Mm-hmm. Right? Weren't you yes. the youth minister at St. John's? Yep, I was a while? youth minister mm-hmm. at St. John's for a few years. Yeah. And Larry was in youth ministry over at the Our Saviors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now we've recruited you to do youth ministry here at First Lutheran or help out anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know that church has been a part of your lives um, for a while now. What would you say is your favorite thing about being a part of the church together? Like, not together, the two of you, but like all of us. I think it's just relationships. You know, it's, it's getting to know people in a, in a setting where you're also engaging in the big questions of life. What is life all about? And, and uh, this creation that we are a part of, uh, the great mystery of life, a God that we hold and trust holds us. 
um, and loves us and leads us. And in the middle of that, you're, you're wrestling with the hurts and hopes of life, but you're doing it with people that, that bring you joy and also bring you strength and um, also bring you some laughter and um, I think a groundedness. And, and that's the community of the church is a, is a beautiful thing that can sustain us even when we're not together. You hold some of the, the, the reserves or the reservoir of, of goodness that people pour into you. Ditto. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a safe place to be broken and blessed. Mm. The other part of that question is what's the most difficult? And I was thinking as you're talking, Larry, that that might also be the most difficult. Like, I'm always worried I'm going to disappoint Marnie. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's not always a pretty place. Yeah, it's real, we though. Are I think at mm-hmm. our best, we can yeah. come here and be authentic. And, um, you know, it's normal for humans to try to hide our flaws, and uh, not just in church, but everywhere, and or to our, our hurt, our brokenness. And I think when our faith communities operate and, and work at our best, we can come and be honest and say we don't have it all figured out. We don't have all the answers, um, but let's let's walk through the the valley together. And trust that that God is there with us, walking with us. And um, we did this event yesterday at, at Augustana, uh, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall. And and there was a song that uh, we did from the ELW, I think it's 725, um, uh, when the poor ones. It's in Spanish and English. And there's a phrase there that says basically, where, where we walk, God walks with us. Mm. And it just was a beautiful. Uh, image for the day and I think also for our lives it's uh this life is good but man it's hard and to hear the good news that we are not alone in it um both from people around us who are right here but also that God the great mystery is walking with us every step of our way is is a powerful imagery I think um, when you were raising your family or still raising your family because I feel like even though they get to their 20s they still need parents, mm-hmm. still need us. Um, and also because, as I've shared, that this is a part of my job, you know, helping families to raise their children up in the faith. But how do you remember um, sharing your faith at home, especially when your children were growing up? Like, what were some ways that that happened in your home? I think of uh, just as I was as a kid, I was I remember doing the Lord's Prayer at night with with uh, my parents and uh, as I got older I think you know that I think they thought that was ingrained in my head so maybe that would still happen and it still does as I lay in bed at night um, when I haven't kicked off to sleep too quick I'm 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 praying the Lord's Prayer and I still remember doing that with the kids when they were little and and just helping them to know um, that, that, that again uh, there's there's a, a mystery and a power and a strength bigger than all of us that's that's with us and I'll also remember you know we we added after the Lord's Prayer you know we'd be, be kind of a Martin Luther plus uh, thank you God for food and clothing daily family work and all we need from day to day but we would also add and thank you for school and vacation and you know <laughs> so the kids would add some of those little things and and they became part of what's still in my mind now as we you know I, I, what's from one of Martin Luther's writings that talks about the, the thankfulness and but it was sort of became adapted or adapted to our own family situation and um, and of course meal prayers and then just getting him into the community 
the community of faith. Um, when our kids were, were smaller, they uh, were both baptized at Our Saviors um, in, in Sioux Falls here, um, but then we became members of Emmanuel Lutheran in Beersford, and, and they just became part of the community there with, with the youth ministry, confirmation ministry, and, and so that was our extension to continue to work there. Um, it's one constant in Carol and my life. We've been doing youth ministry um, since we were 18 years old and before. Carol was on the youth board and, and different things for the Synod. And uh, so we continued to love working with youth. And as I like to say, they're generally just a lot funner than us older people. So <laughs> I like hanging out with, with them. And they have a lot of gifts to, to give and to bless us with. We would take them on the road to youth gatherings when we would do music for youth gatherings and things. and. Yeah, hang for a out, while they thought, the everybody, they thought everybody they thought everybody lived youth gatherings is right. what our kids thought. They were little. They would uh, go to all these events and see all this energy and excitement and worship and music and um, great speakers sharing stories of life and faith and love for God and Jesus. And I think still the swimming pool was more important than any of that. Um. For sure. <laughs> and, for sure. And, and Bible camps in the summertime. Yeah, they were kind of um, raised at Outlaw Ranch. The kids mm-hmm. were there a lot as young young kids from the very infant age up. And so, again, being in Christian community, um, I don't think any parent has all the answers on how to raise your kids. So you bring them in community and help the community help you shape and lead and love and um, encourage. And we, we always shared our faith on deeper levels than just saying wrote prayers for instance when we would do the uh, the grace we would say come lord jesus be our guest let these gifts to us who bless help us to remember the poor and work for justice is what we added mm-hmm. of course now our kids are older and they tease us let's let's pray the superhero prayer mom <laughs> because <laughs> it was <laughs> working for justice sure and, but we wanted to incorporate those types of things that we feel strongly about mm-hmm. in the tradition so, Carol, when you were growing up with especially like a traveling family, were you able to have some rituals and traditions with your family that were faith-based or faith-centered? Um, we would always have, we would have a church community that we would join. Um, we would say a prayer before meals. But, um, yeah, um, it changed. You know, um, our family, I was confirmed Missouri Synod, and then... Because of some family decisions, we chose to uh, change to the ALC, um, and that's where we've been ever since. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think that when I grew up, it was a lot more of a sort of a stoic presence of faith in my family anyway. I mean, we didn't really talk openly about you no. know, Jesus' love or anything, but it was just sort of something that was ingrained in the fabric of our lives I guess you know like we always prayed before meal or after before meals and uh and church was just important and but yeah I don't remember having any deep conversations with my parents when I was young no we didn't either yeah no Mm -hmm. all right how do you see faith playing a role in your daily lives as a teacher, Carol, as how do you teacher. see faith playing a role? I pray a lot. <laughs> and I think she listens to the commandment, thou shall not kill. Yes. <laughs> First and foremost. <laughs> when I, and I do re- try to remind myself, you know, these are children of God, and that um, 
someone loves them. <laughs> it may not be me right now, but someone loves them, and um, God loves them, and um, so I try to. Uh, you know, I never thought I brought my faith into my work because you're supposed to have separation of church and state. But um, we had, I had an atheist student in my class, and they complained about how much I talked about my faith, and I had no idea because consciously I really tried not to incorporate that into what I'm what I teach but huh. it, I guess it's just so you breathe. yeah it's just so ingrained in who I am that it just comes out yeah so and I, interesting that the atheists are in tune to that kind yes of. yeah, yeah. Mm. so but when I teach science and we talk about um, evolution and stuff I al- always bring up you know there are people who believe in a the faith and they have a hard time putting them together but for me I've never had a problem with that because I think God is bigger than we can ever imagine and so God who knows how God created the world we don't really know the Bible says in six days so maybe God's days are billions of years long. right <laughs> I don't exactly. know so I think the, there's just so much mystery that um I have a hard time saying black and white this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Certainly, as we do music and continue to share music with communities, you know, both locally but also around the, the country and even some of our global travel, we are able to share our faith through song and bring people together with messages of hope and healing and the name of Jesus. I mean, it's uh, sometimes the situations are dark and hard and, and, and so difficult, and yet we as Christians. We continue to carry this message of hope that there is a love, again, bigger than anything we might face um, that will never let us go. And um, so, you know, we're going again next weekend to southern Illinois to do a a youth gathering. Um, I eventually wonder, when do they age you out of doing youth gatherings? (laughs) And I love doing them, and uh, I'm excited that we keep getting invited, but uh, a number of our band are going to be down there for this event. And... And we get a chance to share through song, but also through our interaction with kids. Uh, hopefully, that they see um, that that they are a beautiful child of God, and they are uh, blessed, and their struggles are embraced, and their hurts and their hopes are lifted up. And and we try to encourage them, and they encourage us, and in, in community. Um, I, you know, I'll say in the other hat that I wear as a, as a contractor carpenter. What I've really seen um, as you, how your faith is expressed in those uh, places is that uh, I get to listen a lot to people, and um, we we take time to to find out some of what's you know happening in their own lives, and sometimes people just need somebody to listen to some of their struggles, and whether it's they've lost someone they love, or whether um, their kids are causing them problems, or whatever we share back and forth, you know, what life experience is. And as a person of faith, um, I think one of the biggest gifts we can give people is uh, to listen to others in the name of Jesus. Listen to others. Embrace um, the conversations and um, celebrate the the joys and um, and also embrace or encircle people and fold them uh, in their sorrows and their losses. And, and so that comes, a lot of that comes through listening. And we have some really faith-filled, beautiful conversations with many of our uh, uh, construction clients. And, and some of them are folks that we've interacted with and overlap in our Lutheran circles. And some of them are, are folks who have no connection at all to the church. 
Um, and then I'll also say it's how we also treat the other people that we work with uh, in construction sites, whether they're subcontractors um, or, or whether they're just a person coming in to do something for a few minutes. This is how do you love your neighbor? Uh, how do you love your stranger? Or how do you love your enemy? If it's somebody that you're not getting along with, mm. you, you know, those are things that come up in my mind because the, the church has shaped that into me has the, the winds of the spirit the, the scripture has been breathed into us again and again I, I oftentimes joke but maybe it's really not a joke that I say I think the real reason it's important to go to church every week is that we're such slow learners <laughs> we need to hear the word again and again because the, the pressures and the forces around us sort of meld and push away those those feelings that you know, do we really believe that we're loved? Do we really believe we're called to love the stranger? Do we really believe, you know, to hear that again and again, I think reinforces that to do that in community uh, helps us uh, galvanize some of our energy into leading with love instead of judgment. It's For easy sure. to do. Knowing that we've been forgiven. Yeah, so exactly. We can forgive others. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's how you live and breathe in your life. And it, at our best, if we were taught that as kids, it's a natural outpouring, like Carol at school or wherever she is, is, is to, to live and breathe your faith um, and to share that. Thank you. Um, if you're listening, get out your Bibles, because now is the time to highlight a Bible verse in your Bible. I'm always telling families like to write in their Bibles, to highlight things, to write why someone likes a Bible verse, that sort of thing. I was just teasing a family uh, right after church today because I wanted to look at her little third grade girl's Bible. She was like, don't look at it. I haven't written in it yet. And I said, what? Because <laughs> I want the parents to write a note to them. And I told her, you don't have to empty the dishwasher until your mother writes in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think I might have stepped over a line, but <laughs> it's that important. I was trying to tell her. <laughs> um, so today, I'm, I'm going to guess you probably have several Bible verses, but if you were to choose a favorite Bible verse today, could you share that Bible verse? And then also um, how you hear God's promise in it or how it speaks to you. Well, speaking of childhood Bibles in mine, um, John 8 was written in the front cover of mine. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciple. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Mm. And I think that is such an important scripture to remember that we are free and that it's not all these rules that we have to follow and uh, be perfect and all these things, that there's grace and love. And um, if you read your Bible, you'll be reminded of that on a regular basis Mm. and it's interesting you said something about highlighting in your children's when when our daughter Rachel was going to a different church's Bible camp I of course opened her book I said now Rachel I'm going to highlight all these scriptures that focus on grace okay (laughs) so you remember when you have Bible studies that this is our tradition (laughs) and that we believe strongly in the grace of God I just wanted her to hear that message um Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Was that when she was going to Christian horse camp and I kept asking her, how do you know the horses are Christian? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> what about for you, Larry? Um, well, I, I often, again, joke with people, but with some seriousness. And I, I say that uh, being 100% Norwegian, I sometimes... Uh, my opinion is there's just too many words and verses in the Bible. 
and I need I need the the good Lord to boil it down for me, and to say you know what what's this really what's this life really all about, and and it comes then down to this text from Micah which answers that question for me where it says, Micah six eight God has shown you O people what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice to love mercy and to walk humbly with God, and uh, at our best I hope that that's what we're living and the days we fall off. Um, the path, I hope that God guides us back and leads us back to that because I think that's what helps the, the world go around and to heal and to um, move in positive ways is to uh, have just ways of living and merciful ways of living and, and to not pretend that we know it all. That's what I love about the walk humbly. And I, I think that's one of the things I value so deeply about the Lutheran Christian tradition is that... Um, at our best, I think we proclaim that we don't have it all figured out, that the mystery of God is bigger and greater than all of us, and that one of the ways we walk humbly is to uh, admit, no matter where we are, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Lord, only you know. Only you know. I could be wrong. And so it, it affects how we interact with other people, I think, and hopefully it brings more peace than derision mm-hmm. or division uh, in our lives. Um, my other favorite verse, and this is because it's kind of an in-your-face one, it's kind of funny, but it, I think it's the good news version, and it's, I think it's Ecclesiastes 11.8. It says, enjoy your life as long as you live, but remember one thing, you'll be dead much longer. <laughs> I just always thought that was pretty funny in-your-face Bible <laughs> verse. I think that was the good news version, though. Uh, anyway. the good news version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't there some irony there? <laughs> the good news version. <laughs> okay. Uh, so music is clearly a big part of your lives. Is there a song that is on your mind today that speaks to you? Hmm. Well, yesterday we sang um, The Light Shines in the Darkness, and I think that is on my mind today when we think about remembering the 30th anniversary of the Berlin Wall and coming down and all the other walls that we put up in our lives and experience in our lives. Um, I have to remember that the light, Mm. the darkness does not overcome it. Mm. It's such a good song. Was that one written by you, Larry? Uh, Mm -hmm. Sure. Can you find it on (laughs) dakotaroadmusic.com or something? I don't know. (laughs) To all our listeners out there, it's a really good song. Depends on if the intranet is working. (laughs) (laughs) We live in the country. <laughs> um, you, you know, I grew up in the in the hymn tradition and, and I uh, at church. But I, I tell people the two biggest influences on on my songwriting um, are the hymn tradition, singing some of these great old traditional hymns, uh, but then also a, a driving tractor, because I would listen to AM pop rock radio while I was cultivating soybeans and and sing along, and you couldn't really cause anybody any stress because the tractor was louder than you so you weren't going to hurt, hurt anybody you could sing as loud that's as you how want you got such a loud singing this voice. is how i got so loud i was singing louder than the tractor uh, no that's being the youngest of seven children that's how you get this loud um and and, and so i still hearken back to some of those great hymns and uh, even this morning we sang i know that my redeemer lives as part of worship here and um one of our youth adam played saxophone and it was just just beautiful moments for me because I uh, not only the the message that God lives and we live through 
the gift uh, of life that we've been given. But it, it reminded me of my now gone parents and um, uh, and the, the roots from where I came from and the, that hymn tradition that was sung into me. And it's not just the music, um, but it's the people that breathe that into me. And uh, so that, that one's just fresh for me because we did mm-hmm. that one just uh, a little while ago this morning. And and that's some of the deep shapings that uh, that have led us to do some of the writing that we've done have been those same roots. And um, I think it was at, at youth group one night we were talking about um, it was just kind of a fun thing we were doing. They said, what's, what's better, uh, hymns that were written 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago or 500 years ago or, or songs that were written in the last couple of years? And I think it was Pastor Lars said, well, the hymns, of course. And I said, I agree, but I'm going to keep trying anyway, I said. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but I'm going to keep trying anyway. And I think that's some of what's uh, stirred us over time is still wrestling with questions of faith and then scripture that speaks to us. And we say, we should sing about that. We might not have this scripture even figured out, but let's sing about that in a new way. Let's think about that in a new way by singing it in a new way. And um, that's some of the unfoldings of music that continue to happen for us. Hmm. Well, the Lutheran world is um, large, but also very small. And um, I was thinking that I have known both of you for a long time now. We don't need to say how many years. Uh, but back harkens back to my days at Klein Ranch. And um, the music of, of, of you all has definitely been ingrained in our lives in many different ways, which is a wonderful thing. Um, in I'm glad fact, you clarified that. Yeah, in in fact, <laughs> our song for opening and closing the podcast is one of your songs called Everyone is a Child of God. And that is a phrase that I, when Carol was sort of talking about remembering that someone loves them, you know, like that is really helpful to me. Also, you know, working with a lot of God's people in church and every day and just in the world, out in the world, remembering that this too is a child of God. Um where I often write when I'm writing a note to someone like you are an amazing child of God, just to remember, mm-hmm. you know, whose we are um, and that he made you great. Anyway, so I was thinking about that song and wondering if you have any thoughts on like where that song came from or um, how it came to be. Uh, that was actually came from a commissioned piece for um, a staff person at a church who was retiring and they, they had worked with, with youth for mm-hmm. many, many years. And, uh, we always, when we get commissioned for a song, we don't want to, I think we can do a, a, a great, a better job of writing that song if we think, how does this song going to serve the church? Not, not as, a, and I think people appreciate that in, I, as well. They go, oh, it'd be nice if you wrote a song with my name in it for a commission. <laughs> they don't really think that way. And we've never thought that way on any of the commission pieces that we've written over the years. We've always thought, okay, well, what's the theme? What's, you know, is there a Bible verse? Is there a, is there a, an overarching theme? And, and this was simply this person's love for children and that mm-hmm. this person could see, you know, that everyone, uh, you know, is a child of God. And my mother saw that in every kid. And I think that was part of when I saw that, this person and what they had done, it reminded me of my mom and her work in school and in church with kids. How she just, she had hundreds of kids that called her Ma Olson. You know, she, everyone was a precious child of God. And, and she so. She was it, a Sunday school teacher for over 30 uh, years. Yeah, she, she was, she was crazy beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and so that song, uh, was born out of that. And then the simple reminder that, that we need to lift up some of those things that, 
like you said, you, you write that on cards. Sometimes we think those things are given in people's minds, but they're really not. Again, mm-hmm. we're slow learners. We need to hear again and again, you are a, a beautiful child of God. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are forgiven. Um, you are set free. You know, we need to hear these words again and again because the, the way our, our world is shaped, uh, the opposite is what we feel a lot of times. We feel broken and beat down and worthless. And, and w- the good news is, is, is bringing us out of that. Um, and so, yeah, that song was a commission piece that uh, we, we uh, did a few years ago and just released it on a, a, our latest recording this summer here. So um, I love singing that song. <laughs> it's a good one. Really good one. Um, this is kind of a question for you, Larry, but you know, you often say similar to like the child of God thing when you're welcoming people or seeing people, you often say, Hey, beautiful people. Um, where did that come from? Like I, cause frankly, I love it. Like it makes me mm-hmm. feel good. <laughs> I don't know, but I can only guess it's cause I didn't know what their name was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think some of it is just to, it's a reminder to me as well when I see, especially youth. I think youth um, don't feel beautiful. They they feel judged. They feel not good enough. I mean, we all feel that way, that, that, that we're not measuring up to the world standards. But youth especially, I think, um, don't feel that they are valued sometimes or they're accepted or uh, whatever it might be that, that pushes them to the outside and so I guess somewhere along the way it just stirred in me that I I think all these kids need to hear that they're beautiful Mm -hmm. and so I say it to adults too even reluctantly sometimes no (laughs) Uh, no I I just it just became something that I don't know it it came out of the spirit maybe Um, God breathing some words into me that knew some kids needed to hear or community needs to hear and um and it makes people smile. <laughs> yes. so. I think it's a good reminder, too, just as as people, as parents, like to say positive things to one another. Or, mm-hmm. you know, when we call our children whatever, you know, something lovely or, or mm-hmm. you say you love them or just things like that that you can take for granted because or you say it so much sometimes or something like that. But but that's OK to feel like you say it too much or mm-hmm. that they need to keep hearing mm-hmm. um, the words that they are precious. And, and that came up with my own for school and I would I always say good morning lovely learners how are you today or something like that it's just it's a reminder to me that they are lovely learners they're all lovely learners even those who struggle and um, the ones that don't want to be there Mm -hmm. they're all lovely learners and that um, it just reminds me of why I'm there too thank you what do you know about Jesus? Not a sermon, Larry. Just a few short carols. <laughs> I thought I was getting yeah. paid by the word. Yeah. That's what you told me. I was getting paid by the word here. <laughs> what do you know about Jesus, Carol? Um, I know Jesus is real. I know Jesus loves me. And I know Jesus loves other people. And that's pretty much all I know. You know, you get into all the theology and all that, Trinity and all that, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I know that he loves me, and that's all I need to know. Hmm. What do I know about Jesus? Is that the question? Um, 
I think Jesus wasn't only the Son of God, our Savior and Redeemer, but Jesus was a holy disruptor. He came to, to, to mess up the social order, the power structures, you know? He's a rebel. I, ca- I came to, yeah, I <laughs> came to bring good news to the poor. I, I, you know, uh, it's why Jesus, the, the powerful people of the day, were pretty uncomfortable around Jesus, whether they were religious powerful people or government powerful people. They were uncomfortable around Jesus because his ways were predisposed to bring everybody in and to welcome the stranger, um, to, to love the enemy, to do good to those who persecute you. I mean, it, his ways were against sort of even the normal human instincts. You know, our instincts are to build walls to protect ourselves. And, and Jesus' instincts was not to protect himself. Jesus, Jesus uh, knew that his love, the love of God that he was going to live out, was to unconditional unconditional to let go and and to sacrifice and <sighs> that's the hard stuff so i know jesus was a was a holy disruptor hmm. i like it could you or would you share a time in your life when you needed to lean heavily on god <laughs> you know i think any time yeah. Anytime where you're struggling with loss, um, it seems heavier times where you're asking those deep questions of life and death and, you know, the depths of the great mystery face you right there when you lose someone. And I, I think uh, um, to hold to these promises, even cling to them even more securely or to be held by those is maybe a better way to put it, um, seem to be the times when... Uh, you know, losing my parents over the years. Or I had a brother who, who died in a military crash um, um, in 1991. And uh, you come together and uh, your faith and your faith community, I think, maybe even mm-hmm. holds you in the name of Jesus because you don't always have the strength to even wrestle with God at those points. And, and the community... Uh, can instead hold you and enfold you. And, and so I think that's the, 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 the most common way that I've experienced some of the deep reachings of faith um, holding and surrounding me in my lifetime. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that we um, lead worship on Sunday mornings, so you have to get up in the morning and go do your job and by going and doing my job, I am reminded again and again and again that I am loved. And that's a, a wonderful thing. They're making me weep. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> I'm all right. They're so good. Okay. Now, I realize that we are not perhaps in the end part of our lives, but I really like this question. <laughs> I mean, really, we don't know when our end part of our life will be, but what would you like to be remembered for? What would I like to be or what will I be remembered for? (laughs) I believe the question is like to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my my late father once said to me, um, he, he, he was 
philosophizing or just sort of um, thinking about his family. And all of us kids were growing, and and he and I had come home from college for a weekend, and he and I went out to eat somewhere in, in Madison, Minnesota, and um, he got sort of philosophical, and and he said, uh, you know, well, he said two things. The first thing he said was, you know, we never planned on having seven kids. And that's not a cheery thing to hear when you're the seventh. <laughs> uh, anyway, he was always kind of funny that way. Anyway, uh, but then, and then, but he was sort of just, you know, reminiscing about all the kids being grown and everything. And then, he, then the second thing he said was, you know, the thing I'm the most proud of? And, you know, our, all of my siblings have grown up to be able to sustain their lives and, and kind of make it all work. And, and uh, you know, people have got successful careers in the eyes of the world in different ways. And, and my dad could have said, I'm the most proud of this person or that or this work or whatever. Um, but he said, you know, I'm the most proud of how my kids treat other people. Mm. And I think, you know, when it's all said and done, um, whether it's the music that we've done or the houses we've built or remodeled or the, you know, I, I guess I would love that uh, we're remembered for that we, we treated people well. Mm. You know, whether it, it, whether it was rich or poor, friend or stranger, that we, we treated people with respect and kindness um, because that's what was first poured into us. We love because God first loved us. So I would love to be remembered treating people well what about you carol um i would agree um you know i lose my temper just like anyone else though so it's not like i'm perfect but um i think about that too and i think my children are my legacy and um how wonderful that we were able to have a family where we still love each other and we still want to spend time with each other, even though they're adults and they yeah. still, they like coming home. It's not an obligation. It's something, it seems like that anyway <laughs> to me, <laughs> that they want to be with us and they want to spend time with us. And that is just the greatest joy um, as a parent to know that, oh, we did something right. Mm -hmm. That, um, you know, they felt, they must have felt loved as a, child and still feel loved and cared for and it's a uh, quite a blessing mm -hmm. aren't you going to ask what we don't want to be remembered for no oh darn <laughs> <laughs> um okay so our podcast title is 12 items or less which would perhaps make you think of the grocery store which i'm not really sure what that has to do with anything in life other than i think m it always reminds me that um being a part of god uh, God's family and the faith of God happens anywhere. It can happen in the grocery store, in the, you know, the, the aisle or wherever you might be. Uh, but I don't have a deep question about that. I just have a good question about when I thought about uh, particularly Larry, because Carol, she's much more refined. <laughs> 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 no, no one's going to dispute that. No one's going to dispute that. Larry's favorite thing in the grocery store. And I had to think it was probably the free samples. And so. <laughs> it is. You are so right. <laughs> so, first of all, are you a sampler? And what would be your favorite thing to sample? Well, I am not a sampler just because I've 
dietary issues. <laughs> so I sample um, for her? <laughs> yes. But if, if I were a sampler, I would love to sample um, donuts, bakery things, donuts and things, um, sugar, unfortunately. But um, yeah. They had sushi last week. Ooh. I got a sushi sample. Wow. That's like awesome. So that sounds kind of scary though to at me. At the grocery store? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Huh. I I don't think I'm making this up. <laughs> no, they did. They did. Yeah. So that if you know, I had never had that before as a sample. So that was good. Otherwise pizza is like I just like that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing today <laughs> and for answering all of my questions. And uh, also, I'd like to thank all of you for joining us for this episode of the 12 Items or Less podcast uh, on the First Lutheran Podcast. Be sure and join us next time.